Hey, as we get started today, can we welcome those who are joining us on TV, online, and in person on our campuses? Well, welcome, guys. An alarm can be a rude awakening. I learned that just a few years ago because my wife and I bought a new house, and we bought a house that was a, a little closer to church and a little closer to our kids' school so we could get there a little bit easier. And we bought it from a lady who actually goes to Sagebrush. And she had worked a long time just to get the house ready and prepared. She had an eye for details, and she had fixed up the house like great. One of the things that she added to it was like this enhanced like security system that was all throughout the whole house. And sure enough, as we were getting ready to buy the house, we had to transfer all these different utilities and these different things. And because we took ownership of the house over the weekend, one of the things that was hard to switch over was that alarm system. We called up the alarm company and they said, well, you've got to actually call us during one of the regular business days. We thought, oh, that's fine. There's no big deal or anything like that. And so we kind of put it off a little bit. Well, late on Sunday, uh, I was up at about 10 p.m. My kids were asleep and my wife was in the back room reading. And I was up a little late, just kind of wandering around exploring the new house. And I had gone through one of those junk drawers in the kitchen. And in the junk drawer was like all these different switches and key fobs. So we started looking around and just kind of exploring. And I'm the typical guy that anytime I find one of these with buttons, I can't not push them. I have to do it. And so I found this one key fob and I saw it and I was like, well, I'll just, I'll see what it does. So I'll push the button. So I pushed the button and I heard this. Alarm set, please exit. You have 60 seconds. And here I am in this moment, and I'm like, what did I just do? And so I ran as fast as I possibly could over the alarm little panel, and I, like, start punching the buttons and everything else, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know the security code. I'm trying to push whatever I can, but there was nothing that I could do to stop it. This thing was, like, counting down to zero, and I felt like my house was going to self-destruct right in front of my eyes. So here I am waiting. And it finally hits zero, and it says, System armed. So there I am, right? I'm standing, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I yell at my wife. I said, honey, don't move. You see, because there were motion sensors all throughout the whole house. So my wife is like, okay, I won't move. But we couldn't control our cat. See, my cat, Dewey, was wondering what was going on in this whole situation. And so he kind of came out in the hallway just to explore. And then he went, meow. And when he did that, the whole alarm system went off. So here I am. My wife is covering her ears. My kids are now awake and they're crying. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I'm trying to punch in a code, and I don't even know the code to punch in. And so I'm trying to work it out. And in this moment, it's like a terrifying moment because there's nothing that I could do to turn this thing off. Well, after like about a minute, actually, the guy who works for the alarm company came over the panel, and the alarm stopped. And he said, hello, this is Bob from Vivint. I've noticed that you've triggered your alarm system. What's going on? And I said, hey, buddy, I am so sorry. I just moved into this house, and I tried to share the story of how I didn't have the passcode. I was waiting until Monday and everything else. He said, sir, that's totally fine. Just tell me the secret word. I said, secret word, bro? 
I don't even know the code. How am I supposed to know the secret word? And he says, oh, well, why don't you call the original homeowner? I said, that's the problem. You see, she got married on Friday, and she left for her honeymoon. So I'm not calling her on her honeymoon. He said, well, I'm sorry, but I, I have to then follow my protocol. I said, does your protocol involve shutting this alarm off? He said, no. I said, well, how do I shut this thing off? He said, you should probably call our customer service department. I said, okay, I'll call customer service. And so he said, okay, that's great. And then he hangs up, and the alarm starts going again. So I'm like, okay, what do I do now? So I get my kids, and we walk out into our front yard. My wife is out there. She's holding her ears. Now the neighbors have all come out to see what's going on. And so I call the customer service department. And at this point, I was not a very nice pastor. I just tried to tell them in so many words how frustrated I was for the situation. And they weren't buying it. They were like, look, you've got to wait until Monday. There's nothing we could do to turn this alarm system off. I'm so sorry, Mr. Poe. And I'm like, that's it. I've had it. So I run to my garage and I grab my toolbox and I'm searching for just whatever I can find. And I find a hammer because I'm ready to tear the alarm panel apart. And I'm just like ready at this point just to rip it down. And so I get ready and then finally the alarm stops. And the Vivint guy comes back on and he says, I'm so sorry, Mr. Poe. We've reached the original homeowner. Your magic password is banana. <laughs> I said, thank you very much, Mr. Vivint guy. I was so angry in that moment. And an alarm is always that way, right? It stirs you up. I mean, I left that moment where my blood pressure was higher and everything else. And that's what an alarm does. It could be your home alarm or a fire alarm or any type of alarm that wakes you up in the morning. It always elicits, elicits this response, doesn't it? Especially that alarm of wondering how long your life is really going to last. When you wake up in the morning and you wonder, could this be my last day on earth? That's an alarm that shakes us to our core. And you could try to push that alarm sound away that your life doesn't last forever, but it always comes up in the background. You can eat whatever vitamins, you can exercise, you can go through like a weight loss regimen, but always in the background, there's the reminder that your life doesn't last forever. And that's what we've been learning over the past couple weeks. We've been going through this wake-up call series just to kind of stir us to the fact that our life doesn't last forever. We've said that your life is just a mist. That smells terrible. <laughs> but we've said that your life is just a mist. It appears for just a short time, and then it passes away. And that's why this message is also so important. Because I believe that you only have one shot to live. You only have one shot to make a difference in this world. And God wants us to live our lives to make a difference. He wants us to use this immeasurable gift that he's been given, that, that's been given to us, to be able to share about Jesus with others. And that's why this talk is so important. Because I want to share how I believe you and I, when we get to heaven, can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And we've been talking about that for the past few weeks. We've talked about, man, when you die, you want to hear this phrase. But you might ask the question, where does this phrase actually come from in the Bible? 
And it comes at a very interesting place because Jesus at this time was sitting on the Mount of Olives. And it's just a few days before Jesus Christ died on the cross. And the disciples are sitting with him and Jesus is talking about some of the things that were to come in the future. And the disciples take it as an opportunity to ask him a hard question. They said, Jesus, uh, how's the world going to come to an end? Just a small little question. But they ask him, what what are some signs or what are some of the things that are going to come about in the last days? And Jesus sometimes spoke really rhetorically, but here he was very specific about some of the things that were to happen in the future. And in order to get them to be prepared for that, he started sharing a few different stories. Now, personally, myself, I love to tell stories. It doesn't matter. Man, anytime I get the opportunity to preach at this church, I always share stories. But Jesus was an absolute master storyteller. I mean, when Jesus told a story, it always packed a punch. People either left with like a clear understanding of what was coming in the future, or they just left more confused. But Jesus tells a story in scripture that I absolutely love because it's all about making a difference. He tells the story of the talents. Now, you might hear that word talent, and the first thought that you have is you think of that show, America's Got Talent, or The Voice, or American Idol. You think of a talent show. But a talent back then meant something very different. It it, it was actually a monetary unit. It was a monetary unit, a large monetary unit, that they would use. And usually it it was actually precious metals, like silver. In fact, in today's currency, one talent would have been worth $247,000. Just one talent. And so Jesus shares a story. And he shares a story with a meaning. Because he wants them to understand that what we do in this life really matters. And we pick up in these verses of scripture in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 14. Here's Here's what it says. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So we have this master, right? And the master knows that he's going to go on a journey. And so he calls his most trusted servants to his side. And he says, I'm going on this journey. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to manage my great wealth. And so I'm going to take these talents based upon your ability, and I'm going to give them to you so you can manage them. Now, they're not winning the lottery here, okay? It wasn't like, let me write you a check for $1.25 million, and you could do with it whatever you want. No, the master was intending for these guys to manage it well. And it says that they, they were given this on the basis of their own abilities. Now, I have a few abilities in my life. But there is one ability that I do not have. I am not a good singer. Now, Daniel Montoya, he can sing the roof off of this place. I mean, that is his ability. He is so good. That is not my ability. But I have abilities that he doesn't have. You see, because I am usually the loudest person in the room every time I walk in. That's how God made me. That's who I am. That's one of my abilities. And each of these servants also had their own abilities. Some of them had incredible business savvy. Some of them had different things that they were able to do. And so they were given these talents based upon their abilities. 
And they were expected to manage them well. Because why? They were servants. They were servants. They had some responsibility for things to do. So how is it that they responded to this challenge? Here's what it says in verse 16. It says, The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. So here's the story, right? These three servants have an opportunity of a lifetime. And these two servants get given these talents. And what did they do? At once, the Bible says, they went out and they used it to make more. Now, back then, they didn't have Wall Street. They didn't have like a stock market that they could play. They couldn't read a blog on Reddit called Wall Street Bets and invest in GameStop and make like a 400% return. Okay? They couldn't do that back then. The way that they made money with what the master had given them was by borrowing and trading with other people. So they took their own great wealth and they shared it around with others. And as a result, they made more. Do you get that idea? They took what they had and they began to share it with others and they used that gift that the master gave them well so that they could make more. That's what they did. Now, this other servant had a different mindset. Instead of using his master's money in order to use it to make more, what did he do? He took his talent, his monetary unit, and he hid it in the ground. He buried it in his backyard. Now, back then during this time, this was something that they actually did. Because they didn't have banks. They didn't have safety deposit boxes. They didn't have a vault that they could put large amount of money in. So what did they do? They hid their priceless possessions down in the ground. And it was a way of protecting that from other people. But remember, he was a servant. And he had been given this gift in order to share around so that he could make more. So he squandered that opportunity. Well, how did the master react? The Bible goes on to say this in verse number 19. It says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, and share your master's happiness. What great words. The master who had two the man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And so the master returns after the Bible says a long time. A long time had passed. And sure enough, he summons these three servants before him. And these two servants, I'm sure they were excited. I mean, they show up and they are ready. They are super excited about all that God's done and all the work that they've done. And so they say, Master, look, you gave me $1.25 million. And now... I've got $2.5 million to give back to you. 
What does the master say? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now, I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. These two servants did it right. They did it well. They didn't squander this opportunity, this one shot that they had. They used it as an opportunity to make a difference, both for themselves and for the community that they were around. That's what they did to make a difference. You see, these servants were faithful. And I wish, folks, that the story ended here. Because if the story ended here, it would be so easy. But it doesn't end here. You see, because there's a difference between being faithful and being faithless. There's a difference between being faithful and being faithless. And there's one other servant to deal with. The other servant responds in a very different way. Here's what it says in verse number 24. It says, The man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Have you, have you ever been in a meeting where there was somebody like either at your job or in your school group who didn't pull their weight and they get found out? Like, that's an awkward experience. And usually that person who's found out, they tend to have all these different excuses for their own behavior. I was reading just recently some lame excuses for people missing work. And these are really, really lame. But I found one that said this. It said, I broke my arm reaching for my sandwich. That's why I was late for work. Uh, another one said, my wife caught me cheating and she threw all my stuff out. Another one said, my refrigerator fell on me. Another guy said, my convertible is covered in flour. Another person said, I just put a casserole in the oven. I'm sorry. Another one said, I poked my eye with my hairbrush. That's why I won't be making it today. Now, all those things are lame excuses. Lame excuses for not showing up to work. And all those are cringeworthy, aren't they? And that's exactly what's happening in this situation. Here are these two faithful servants who are standing there. And this one guy, he's got this lame excuse. And notice what his excuse is. His excuse wasn't to take ownership for the things that he had done. But instead, he blames the master. He says, it's your fault. It's your fault that I didn't do anything with that talent that you gave me. Because you're such a hard master. You're such a hard boss to work for. And man, I know that you harvest where you haven't even planted any seeds. So I didn't really do anything. And it, it's kind of a result of you and your character as a boss. I mean, this is a lame excuse. This guy basically for the past few years has just sat on his couch, scrolled through social media, and refused to do anything with this immeasurable gift that the master gave him. The question for you, how would you respond to this situation? What if you were the boss? What if you were the master? You saw this guy who did absolutely nothing. How would you respond? Here's how the master responds to the situation. His master replied, you wicked 
and lazy servant. You knew that, the har- that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? I don't think so. I don't think it sounds harsh at all. Because this servant was wicked. This servant had the opportunity of a lifetime and he squandered it. He didn't do anything with it. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, we find out in the same story that this servant really hated his master. And he didn't like the fact that he was in charge of him. And so he actually drug his feet on purpose. Now, what's implied in this is that he was already a servant. So he was already in side circle of like, man, he knew the master very, very well. But he didn't do anything. And what rings out in this passage of scripture is that what you do in this life echoes into eternity. Every action, every kind deed, all of that goes into eternity. You say, Andrew, what should we really get out of this passage of scripture? I think it shows us that we have one shot in this world to make a difference. And it matters how you use your life. So we have to understand a few things in application for you and for me. The first thing that we have to understand is this. As followers of Jesus Christ, we've been given a message of infinite value. We've been given this message of infinite value. You see, we've been given a message that's worth more than anything money could buy or any car that you could drive or any house that you could own. We've been given the good news of Jesus Christ. That God looked down on this earth when we were broken, when we were lost, when we were disconnected from him. And he sends his one and only son out of his love for us so that we wouldn't die a horrific death away from him, but so that we could have eternal life with him in heaven. He gave us the opportunity to be sons and daughters of the most high king. He gave us the good news of Jesus Christ. That's something of infinite value that we don't even realize. We go through life not thinking about what Jesus went through for us. But when you really think about it, it's worth more than any money that you could ever have. So you got to understand first that you've been given something of infinite value that was meant, this is the second thing, that gift was meant to be shared. That message of Jesus Christ was meant to be shared. And this is important because God didn't save you so that you could sit. He saved you so that you could share. He saved you so that you could share with others about what he's done in your own life. And that's what we have to do. We have to go out in this world and we have to share about Jesus Christ. You say, Andrew, how is it that we should share? Well, I believe there's a number of different ways that you could share about Jesus with others. You can share about Jesus with others directly. You can have a conversation with your coworkers your neighbors, your family members, your friends, all about the amazing things that God has done in your life. We always encourage you to know your story. 
Know your story about how God has changed your own life. And then be willing when God gives you the opportunity to share that with others. Not in a forceful, like, mean way. Like, we're not expecting you to walk out of sagebrush, grab a big old Bible, and hit people over the head. Okay, that's, that's not optimal in sharing with others. But what we're hoping for is that you'd build a relationship. That you'd build a relationship with other people. That you'd get to know your neighbors. That you'd get to know your friends. That you'd start praying for them. And that when God brings up an opportunity, that you'd share about Jesus with others. Uh, I was given this challenge a few years ago at Sagebrush and to pray for five different people. And there's a few different people that I'm still praying for, but man, I began to build relationships with these people. A few of those people were my neighbors. And uh, I have a neighbor that's right across the street from mine that I'd been praying for for a long time. And I built a relationship with these neighbors, got to know them really well. And sure enough, when their dad was dying and on hospice, they invited me over into the house. They said, Andrew, we know that you're a pastor. We know that our dad doesn't have that many more hours to live. And so would you, would you come by and talk with them? So I had the opportunity just to talk with this whole family all about who Jesus Christ is. All because why? I built a relationship. And that afforded me the opportunity to share about Jesus. Now you have the opportunity directly to share about Jesus, but an easy way to share directly is simply to invite other people to our church. You've got a great opportunity for that because in just a couple weeks from now, we're gonna have all of our Easter services, both online and on television and in person. And that's an opportunity because people will say yes to coming to an Easter service. They'll say yes to coming to church with you if you invite them. And so you've got that opportunity to share with others directly about who Jesus Christ is. The other way that we can share is share through our actions, just by living different from other people. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. I love that verse. Because that's a reminder, right, that every day we have this opportunity to let our light shine. When I was a kid, I grew up in a church where we used to sing these little songs in children's church. And one of the songs was This Little Light of Mine. I, I won't sing it for you. As I said before, that's not my gift, okay? But one of the parts of that song I really love because it talks about hiding it under a bushel. Like if you hide your light under a bushel and then the little kids like scream, no! And they say, I'm going to let it shine. What are they saying in that? They're saying, this one shot that I have to make a difference, I'm going to allow my light to shine to others through my actions. Just by the way that I live. By the fact that I live according to the principles in the Bible, that will stand out from everybody else in our world. That I live to love God and love other people. Man, people will recognize that there's something different about you. And I tell you this, they will want what you have. They will want what you have. They will notice that there's something different about you. There's something that makes you tick, and they'll want that. They'll ask you about your church. They'll ask you about who Jesus really is for you if you let your light shine, if you share Jesus through your actions. And then finally, you can share Jesus, share the message of Jesus through simply serving. And that's what I love about our church, is that there's so many opportunities around this church to make a difference. And every single one of you guys have things that you're good at, things that are uniquely you. For some of you guys, you're good at working with kids. 
Some of you guys, you're, working at, you're good at working on cars. And so you can help out with like our pit stop ministry. Some people are good at working with high school and middle school students. We love you around here. You know, they help out in our remix student program. And man, that's a great opportunity to share through service. And every t- single time that you serve in one of our ministries here at Sagebrush, you're making Jesus known. You have a part in every single baptism around this place. Simply by serving allows the message of Jesus Christ to go forward. But you might say, you know, with all the COVID stuff that's crazy, eh, I'll kind of put off serving right now. Well, I have to tell you that we as a church, even during this time of COVID-19, we have seen God use people who stepped up to make a difference. People who lived out their purpose to love God and to love others. And as a result, God has done some incredible things. I want you to see that though. So take a look at this video. Everyone wants their lives to matter and giving back and serving is one of the main ways to make sure we are living with purpose. This past fall, we celebrated the 3,900 VIP team members that help serve over 20,000 people who attend online and in person every weekend. Every weekend, lives are being changed because people are using their gifts to serve others in person and online. Since our doors reopened for in-person services, volunteer team members have welcomed kids, students, and adults. Room volunteers, group leaders, greeters, and more have served inside the walls of the church. But as we've said all along, the church isn't a building, it's a people. In the midst of the pandemic, when so many doors were literally closed, God opened our eyes to new opportunities for people to serve in new ways from wherever they are. Living Free leaders bring hope to life-challenging, life-controlling problems through groups online. Prayer teams lift others up in prayer at all hours of the day, and they speak to God on our behalf. Online service hosts help connect people watching on Facebook and YouTube every weekend. And host group leaders gather people together in communities across the country. A host group is where people gather together and watch the message together and then spend time together. Many of the people who come, they live alone. And so they really crave that connection. We are not supposed to do life on our own. I feel incredibly blessed to still be able to be part of a community and being able to sing with other people, being able to um, worship and listen to the message and process the message together. And of course, you know, we all know Todd's funny, so laugh together. Even though we are miles and miles away from a campus, we are the church. And this is an opportunity for us to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus and be the church. I'm so blessed that God is using me to bring Sagebrush to Silver City. And I invite you to consider that maybe God is inviting you to bring Sagebrush to your own community. When the pandemic hit, we were asked if we would like to host via Facebook and YouTube. By connecting and keeping connected, we're able to be together as a family of God, even though it's not in person. We are together spiritually. All you do is get on and uh, welcome people. You can serve from wherever you're at. God provides a way, and when He calls and you obey Him, you won't regret it. 
There's no limit to how God wants to use your gifts to serve others. Online, in person, wherever you are, you can live with purpose. I love that video because there are so many in our church who are either immunocompromised or they live with someone who is, but they're still making a difference. They're still going out and they're serving both online or they're leading small groups or they're helping us with hosting a service. And man, if you are watching online or you're watching on TV and you'd like to get involved, man, we'd love to get you involved. Because we want you to be a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself. Again, what we do in this life echoes into eternity. And we've got to share the message of Jesus with others. The third thing that you have to do is you have to understand this. That God rewards those who follow through. You see, rewards are coming for those good servants who make the most of this one shot that they have to make a difference. And I want to hear those words that those good servants heard which was well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things, and now come and enter into your master's happiness. And that comes, folks, in heaven, where we get to see God face to face, where we get to rejoice that we've lived our life well, we've reached the finish line, and we've crossed it celebrating with him. And that's what I want to hear. I don't want to get to heaven and, and have God say, oh, he gave it his best shot. Or, oh, he barely made it. No. I want to hear the words, well done. What about you? Maybe you're listening to this or you're watching online or on TV and you say, you know what? I, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. If that's you today, I hope that you'll have a conversation with us about who Jesus really is and how you can have that message. You can accept it because it has infinite value. But maybe you're here today and you've been sitting on the sideline. You've been idle and uninvolved. I hope today would be the day that those alarm bells go off in your house. I hope that today would be a day that you move from being idle to getting involved. My hope and prayer is that today would be your wake-up call. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this message. And God, it's not my message. It was the story that your son gave 2,000 years ago. Father, thank you for this call to live life well. I pray, God, that we would be people who make a difference. I pray, God, that we would understand that this message is of infinite value. And it wasn't meant to sit on, but it was meant to share with others. So God, help us to go out even this week and share it with others. Help us to share it directly or help us to share it through our actions or help us just to get off of our duff and serve you. Father, no matter what it is, God, I pray that you would move your people toward action. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.